What a glorious worship time. Uh, just thank you guys for doing that. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, being on the road to Emmaus because daily we are walking on the road to Emmaus. Okay? And this morning I want to welcome you here at Paragon and to all of you who are online, welcome. I hope we can gather something today and glean something from the Word of God that we can apply to our lives and uh, champion the cause of Christ and glorify our King together as we walk in our area of the mission field that we are in where God has us placed. We're on the road to Emmaus, and I want to tell you, this is what I believe, and I believe that most of Christendom believes this, and it's called the five solas. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, Sola Fidi, faith alone, Sola Gracia, grace alone, Solus Christus, Christ alone, and Sola Dea Gloria, glory to God alone. As we live in the time of this pandemic that we have found ourselves in, we also live in a time where we are finding ourselves wrestling with worldviews. I hold to a biblical worldview God and God alone. In the beginning, God created. I believe that those first few verses of Genesis 1. And if I don't believe that, then I might as well start just throwing this Bible away. I believe it. It's changed my life. We're in a war for the hearts and souls of people in this world. Our culture should not change. Excuse me. Our culture should not change how we interpret the Bible. The Bible should change how we interpret culture. We are not a woke Okay? Some of you understand that term. We are not a church, a woke church, deceived by a false religion called critical race theory, CRT. Some of you may have heard it. It's being put out in education. It's being put out in the military. It's being put out in our schools. And it's a vain philosophy that the Apostle Paul commands us to stand against. It's just a new color of sin. Okay? Sin is simply rebellion against God. And this is just another spoke off of that hub in the wheel of sin that's coming against us. We need to stand for the truth of the gospel. We declared on Easter, that He is risen. Do we believe it? By what we say and what we do. 
We can't be carried away by a false religion. The church is not me. The church is us. Only together as one body, under the headship of Jesus Christ, can we achieve the purpose for which we are called. We need each other to walk on this road to Emmaus. We can't do it alone. We can't walk it alone. So my question is, who are you walking with in discipleship? Who are you walking with? Believe this. You are right here, right now, in your mission field to impact this world and the world that you live in and work in and go to school in. You need to impact this world in a very big way, all for the glory of God. Stand up for God's word. Rise up. The war is on, and you must fight it, as it is written in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Stand up and fight, he tells us, for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. Fight on. The battle is on. Think about this. What has God called you to do? I'll say it again. What has God called you to do? Now, rate yourself from 1 to 10, 10 being the highest. How would you rate yourself in your calling? A calling from God that we declare is eternal and lives forever and changes lives. James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14 says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What is your life? What is my life? James tells me that we are all a bunch of mists. Mists. Fits. What is your life? What matters? Time matters. We are all living in the dash. Okay? On this road to Emmaus. We are living in this dash. See that 1953? That's me. And I'm living in the dash. We walk from the day of our birth to the end of our life. And when is that? I can't answer that for you or for myself. But know this. There is a dash and then the end.
time matters. Because heaven and hell are real and forever. There are eternal souls that will live in heaven or hell forever. And it's real. I recently retired from high school as a counselor and I would hear different sayings and I remember one my wife and I had to ask what it was. YOLO. I hadn't heard it and I remember being at a restaurant and we asked the waitress, what does that mean? You only live once, she said. I said, okay. Back in the 60s when I grew up, and some of y'all know this, do your own thing. Okay? Now, today, coming out of the high school, it's you be you. All lies. Sounds good and it feels good, but they're lies. I remember talking to a gang member, young guy, and he was all bad. He had it together. He got ranked in. He got a family. Can you imagine a family that beats you up to say we love you? I just didn't get it. But he didn't want to hear the truth I was sharing with him. And I remember over the weekend hearing of a shooting down in Albuquerque on 4th Street. I went back to school on that following Monday. And guess who was shot dead in the middle of 4th Street in Albuquerque? The young man that said, nah, mister, I got it. His life was over. Don't waste your life. You have gifts. You have talents. You have time. Honor God. As we read in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. We have time. We have talents. We have gifts. I can't tell you when the end of your dash will be. But whatever time you have now, Live it for the glory of God. To give honor to God. I remember telling a young man, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray this way. That whatever God has to do to get glory out of your life, He does it. I said, you could be a quadriplegic. You could be a paraplegic. You could be dead. But if God gets glory out of your life through that, then I celebrate it. He said to me, 
that's a hard prayer. I said, yeah. But I have to believe that God's plan is better for you than my plan is. I remember Jackie's dad. He died back in October, and some of you know it's still rich in my life. But he told me he would like to get up and go with me to share the gospel. His dad loved it. He believed it. He says, but physically, I cannot do that. And I said, Dad, you can still pray. Pray for me. And see, Mom and Dad, Grandma and Grandpa, they still pray. And I trust those prayers. You see, you're never out of the fight. You may be bedridden. Something may have knocked you down, but you're never out of the fight in the kingdom of God. There is something you can always do. Just like in the movie, we were soldiers. And in the battle, the commander says, no, we're not out of it. Three strikes, we're not out. That's what he was saying. There is always something to do to change your situation in God. Always something to do. Don't waste your breath and the place that God has you at right now. You can do it. Quit making excuses for why you cannot share the gospel. I hear this phrase. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus. My hands don't talk. My feet don't talk. you got to share the gospel. What God did for you. Get out of the pit of quit. It has been said that a man with a mouthful of, of excuses will die with a heart full of regret. Don't let that be you, please. Don't let it be you. Don't let it be Paragon. During the Battle of Okinawa in World War II, there was a young man by the name of Desmond Doss. You might have seen the movie, Hacksaw Ridge. What was his prayer? Lord, help me get one more. He's the only conscientious objector that was ever awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. But his prayer was, Lord, help me get one more. Who is your one more that you are asking God for? Who are you praying for? Who are you interceding for? 
Who are you reaching? Who will be in heaven because of your prayers and service? Who will be there? You see, in the gospel, in the gospel of Luke, chapter 24, as we read, about the two disciples going to Emmaus. Mind you, Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem. I can walk three and a half miles in 45 minutes. I'm an older guy. Okay? So figure it would take me two hours to get to Emmaus from Jerusalem. These guys are walking and they're talking. And we look in verses 13 and 14, I'm sorry, 13 through 16 of uh, Luke chapter 24. Read with me. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And what had happened? Everything that we celebrated over Easter. They were talking about it. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus sought them out. Jesus seeks us out. Look how valuable you are and how precious you are to Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Mary, it is said about Mary that she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That is more people than you and me. In this world. See, there's more to the gospel than just you being saved and saying, ooh, I got it. It's about going and sharing what has happened to you. In verse 27 of chapter 24, it says this, that Jesus opens their eyes. He opens our eyes. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, he began with Moses, but I can't tell you exactly what he said about Moses or the prophets. I can't. I might guess because there's a lot of truth in the Old Testament. What was it that opened your eyes to Jesus? Who was the one that shared living hope with you? What was it that finally turned your heart to Jesus? For me, 
It was Smitty sharing his faith about Jesus Christ with me in a hooch in 1972, Southeast Asia during the Vietnam War. It was Smitty. Here I am sharing hope with you today. And guess what? Smitty's been pastoring in Kentucky, Ohio for years. Tyler, there's hope for ammo troops, brother. I'm telling you. Then there was Roy, a co-worker of mine at the main post office in Houston, Texas. His, his sin-sick life almost mirrored mine. Then there was my little brother. I knew my little brother. I know my little brother. We are 11 months and 8 days apart. I saw what Christ did in his heart and his life. And seeing these lives change. Changed my life. And my heart to Jesus Christ. Why? Because these guys just weren't the hands and feet of Jesus. These guys weren't afraid to tell me truth. And knowing that I'd fight them with it. Because you know, I had my truth. Kind of like today, everybody has their truth. Don't hurt my feelings. My brother didn't care about my feelings. My brother believed that there was a heaven and there was a hell. And the way I was living, he knew I was going to hell. Plain and simple. Which Old Testament verses Jesus shared with these disciples, I do not know. But we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We know that. It's what Paul tells us. And look in verse 30 with me in chapter 24. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. In verse 31. You see, after Jesus' resurrection, a lot of his time is spent around eating and around the table. We see it here. We see it in the Gospel of John. We see it in the book of Acts. And here in Luke, we see as he revealed himself to these two disciples. And then he disappeared, Scripture says. You see, for them, knowing and fellowshipping with Jesus Christ was not going to be dependent on them seeing him, but only in trusting him. And that's our walk today. In verse 33 of chapter 24, Jesus moved them to share. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way 
and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. Look at these verbs. They got up. They returned. They found. It is true, they said. The Lord has risen. The two told what had happened on the way. How many here or online are believers and followers of God in Christ? Just raise your hand. How many of you here? Yeah. Okay. He revealed himself to you. And you have a responsibility as a Christian, a follower of Christ Jesus, to go and tell. To not just go and do, but to go and tell the good news of Christ, that he is risen. There's a story about Alexander the Great and one of his warriors, a young warrior. The young man was found out that he had cowered in battle. And he was brought to Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great asked him, What is your name, Alexander? And he was asked that several times, the story says. But to say it louder, What is your name? Alexander! then act like Alexander. You see, these two disciples got up and went back to Jerusalem to share the good news. He is risen. But mind you, this was at night. There was a risk. As it was night. And these are on the road at night. And it's dangerous to travel. At night. But they went. They went. What is your risk? What is your risk? The disciples took a risk. Believe what God says about the harvest. In John chapter 4 verse 35. He says, do, not, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes, and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. In Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Mama had a little plaque of this verse in her house forever. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Believe it. God can do exceedingly more than we ask or think. The harvest is plentiful. It's ready. But he says pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. Be a worker for the Lord. In the Inca Empire, 
they had messengers called Chaskis. Chaskis of the king. The Inca Empire in, 14, in the 1400s was one of the largest empires in the world and had one common language, and it was Quechua. Similar to what Alexander the Great did when he conquered lands and people, he would want them to speak Greek. The Inca built a vast network of roads, north and south, the Pacific coast, the Andes Mountain, with crossroads. And their messengers, called Chasquis, would run approximately 100 to 150 miles a day to share the message of the chief. And they would carry a knotted cord called kipus. Now be mindful, the Incas didn't have a written language. The only ones who knew the message of the kipus for the king was the chasquis. And they were the only ones that could interpret the message of their chief. The security of the message on that knotted cord. And ultimately, the message to the empire was dependent upon these chasquis. Some of these roads can still be seen in South America. And that's a lot of miles to cover with a message. But one can only marvel at the commitment that the Chasquis, the messenger, had to climb mountains, to cross rivers, enduring pain and thirst and hunger to get the message to the chief's people. When they reached their destination with the message they carried, it was from their chief. And the only answer they had for this important message was that it was for the people of the empire. A message of life and death. We are the Chasquis of Jesus. We are the messengers of reconciliation. We are the ones who have the message of hope and life. And as Christ's disciples... We have a message from our king, from King Jesus to share to the world. A message even more important than those carried by the Inca Chasquis. Our message can only make the, our only, excuse me, our message can also make the difference between life and death. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17 and following, he says this to us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have a message. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's ours to share, not to hold on to, not to hide. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are the Chasquis. We are those messengers. 
We are the ambassadors telling the story and the truth of our King. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's who we are. In Christ, we are the righteousness of God. And we have this message that we celebrated. Easter. To share. One doesn't have to be a missionary in a foreign land or a pastor here in Rio Rancho or Albuquerque or New Mexico to share the message of salvation with someone. As ambassadors for Christ, we simply share what Christ has done in our lives. Remember Smitty? Remember Roy and my little brother? They told me what Christ did in their lives. They weren't worried about hurting my feelings or offending me. My feelings didn't matter, but my eternal life did to them. And I am grateful to them. We simply share, with, share what Christ has done in our lives and live as new creations in Christ. That's something we who have, call, who have called on the name of Christ that we can do. We have some, some advantages over the Chasquis, over the Incas, and their knotted cords. We have God's written word in our Bibles. And I see several of you have it on your phones. We have God's Holy Spirit to lead us to those who need to hear our King's message and prepare the hearts of the ones to receive his message of living hope in Jesus Christ. Therefore, carry King Jesus' message to the world. You're part of the world that you live in. It is a matter of life and death for those who have not heard. The gospel is the only commodity that becomes more valuable as you give it away. Give it away. It was given to you. Give it away. Christ is more than a remembrance. He's more than last week. He desires to be a daily living experience as we trust Him, like those two disciples. We don't see Jesus, but we need to trust Him. His life is not just a beautiful memory, but a joyous living experience daily, declaring He lives in me. Declaring He lives in you. The sign above the door there says, as you, <laughs> you are now entering your mission field when you walk out those doors. You are now entering your mission field. Where's it at? That's wherever you are. 
It's wherever you are. Stand with, with me and, and, and pray with me. I'm here to pray with you, to encourage you, to support you, to be with you. God is calling people out. And not only is he calling people out of darkness, but here's the joyous news. He calls us into fellowship with him. Into life eternal. If this morning you are not certain about your eternal destination, and you want to make it right and know that you are in fellowship in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Just simple. Amen. Amen. Okay? And I'm going to call on you because when Jesus called people and talked to people, he called them. Okay? I'm just going to ask that you just come up front here. This is a safe place. It's Paragon. You want to get connected, just come on. Just come on up. We'll pray with you. I'm here. Pastor's here. Dave's here. There's men that will pray for you. And so when the worship team comes and plays a song for us that we can close out, I just want you to come on up and, and just be joined together so we can walk with you.